If you want to know what new community is about, if you want to know where new community is going, the best thing for you to do is look at where our church has been. If you have questions about where God is leading us as a people, if you have questions about what God is doing in this gathered community, take a look back when we started a little over five years ago. And, and, and what happened when we started this church is a group of people got together after the manner of, of the first century church and they did something that's unpopular. They got together and they prayed. Worship team, come back up. No, I'm joking. Uh. <laughs> they prayed. The first ministry of our church was a ministry of prayer. Over these weeks, we've talked about our core values, and as Pastor Peter said, I'm going to talk about prayer this morning, but before we get into the message, we, we, we're going to highlight the value in the sermon, but like we've been doing over these weeks, I want you uh, to meet a, a representative from our prayer team, and, 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 and again, we got together uh, by, by representation of those, that core group of people who gathered together and, and, and who had a vision from God and saw God and said, God, what does a church that wants to be like the New Testament church look like these days? So they talked to God. And we've been talking to God ever since. We will continue to do that. And our prayer team, although it's not one of those ministries that you see on a regular basis, you don't see it in lights, you don't hear it in microphones, it's one of the most important ministries of our church. Amen. Jermaine, come at this time. Uh, I'm going to ask Jermaine some of the same questions that uh, we've asked our other uh, leaders in this church. Jermaine, tell us who you are. And uh, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Jermaine is not the team leader of our prayer team, but he's one of our uh, key volunteers. We have several sort of leader types in that team, no one identified leader. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Jermaine. Hi, I'm Jermaine McGill. I've been going here for a little bit over two years, and um, I'm a member of the prayer team. And it's kind of like a core group that meets on Monday nights, and we get together and pray. Um, Pam and Anthony... They're actually uh, members of the prayer team as well, and mm -hmm. they'll be at the Connection Corner to explain a little bit of what I talk about today. Uh, tell us why prayer is important. Tell us why this team gathers together on a Monday. You said every Monday we gather together to pray. Why do we do that? Um, I think prayer is essential to the church. Without prayer, this doesn't happen on Sunday. Nothing happens. We have to petition God. Most of what we do is intercessory prayer, which is praying on people's behalf. Um, and as you all know, there's a lot that needs to be prayed for in a church community. Um, so most of what we do on Monday nights is praying for things that people have emailed the church offices. Um, everything is confidential and uh, praying for each other and things that are going on in the church in particular. So ministry team leaders, community group leaders, and individuals that have uh, submitted prayer requests. 
If somebody wants to participate in the prayer team, somebody who knows how to pray, loves God, wants to talk to God, uh, what can they do in uh, the prayer team or with the prayer team? Can they join? When you said uh, Anthony and Pam's going to be out at the Connection Corner, what can people talk to them about? Um, there's like a few options for the prayer team. It's one of those things that you can have like a ton of commitment or uh, some medium commitment or even less commitment. One thing that we have is a prayer chain, and I don't know if you all are aware of it, but uh, you can call someone on the prayer team, and that will be submitted to about 15 to 20 people who are on the prayer chain, and you will have your prayer request, people praying for it right after you call them. So there's a chain that people will call, um, and there's an email that goes out linked to that as well, and people will be praying for your prayer request. That's one thing. Another thing is Monday night prayer meetings where we get together and corporately pray for requests that people have submitted as well. Um, the third thing is actually just praying at the altar here. So I don't know if you all notice, but usually there's one person here and one person there with a little red tag. They're not ushers, they're prayer team members, and they're here if someone needs prayer after service. The fourth thing is we kind of just get together and talk to uh, the pastoral leadership about how uh, Wednesday night prayer is going to be and uh, get an idea of what they're looking forward to and assist them as necessary. So those are a few functions of it. And no one person does all these things, but there are many people that are plugged into to each of these individual things. Jermaine, thank you very much. And as Jermaine said, uh, Pam and Anthony, Pam and Anthony, stand up real quick if you don't mind. You're right here to my left. They'll be at the connection. Everybody's going to go. So day to clap. Uh, every, uh, um, they'll be at the Connection Corner after service right out in the lobby if you want to join in one of those four uh, ways that Jermaine talked about. As I said, uh, we've been preaching, and as Pastor Peter said, we've been preaching and hearing sermons uh, in our current sermon series entitled Origins. So for the last several weeks, we've heard specific values that have been preached, and, and we've looked at the book of Acts, particularly Acts chapter 2, uh, to think about how the first century church changed their world for Jesus Christ. And, and that first century church understood um, the, the life and ministry of Jesus so much so that they said to themselves, if Jesus has transformed us, if Jesus has transformed our lives, what we have witnessed, what we have embraced about Jesus has changed us so much. We believe that if we live the way he has commanded us to live, if we embrace certain values, that we can change our society for Jesus Christ. So in Acts chapter 2, uh, verses 42 and following, you see all of these verses that talk about the ministry of the early church. You see them uh, talking about how the church meets regularly, how, how evangelism is happening, how worship is happening, joy-filled celebration is happening. And, and Acts chapter 2 shows us all of these characteristics of the early church. And one of the characteristics of the early church is one that we often overlook, and you've heard it already several times and that is that early church gathered together for prayer 
Just like New Community, when, when God gave Pastor Peter a vision for this church that, that we're gathered in today, this people of God, just like God gave him a vision, just like God ignited fire in the lives of several core members when they sought God about the direction for a New Community Covenant Church, the first century church got together and they prayed. So today I want you to look at Acts, not Acts chapter 2, but Acts chapter 1. And and I want you uh, to hear this passage, the first 14 verses of Acts 1. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem. But wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set in his own authority or by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up to the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Verse 12 says, then they returned to Jerusalem. From the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to a room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the zealot, and Judas the son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. This is the word of God for us. This passage opens the book of Acts, 
And Acts is a two-volume, a uh, part of a two-volume work, just like a, a two-part work uh, in our day. Luke wrote uh, the book, the Gospel of Luke, as the first volume, and the book of Acts as the second volume. And, and the first volume of the Gospel that bears Luke's name uh, uh, emphasized the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. We see in Luke Jesus opening up his preaching and teaching ministry by saying the Spirit of the Lord is upon me uh, to preach the gospel and to bring good news. And so, and so all through the gospel we see Jesus preaching about the kingdom of God. We see Jesus working miracles, highlighting um, the, the, the moving uh, power of the kingdom of God. Jesus over and over again shows us, teaches us, and preaches to us in the Gospel of Luke about the kingdom of God. That's sort of the first part of Luke's work. The second part is not so much an emphasis on the the acts of Jesus and, and the life and ministry of Jesus as much as it is the acts of the Holy Spirit, that third member of the Trinity who we sang about. Uh, uh, the, the Holy Spirit, if you will, is on display in the book of Acts. And so Jesus is preaching and his life is on display, underlined and emphasized in Luke. And Luke bridges the two-volume work by connecting at the end of the Gospel of Luke what we read today, and that is the ascension, Jesus' upward movement into heaven. So, so, so in Luke, Jesus' ministry is highlighted. In the book of Acts, Luke emphasizes the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And, and he connects the end of Luke with the beginning of Acts. And, and as the church historian Hugo Gonzalez, Justo Gonzalez rather says, what completed the narrative in the gospel here sets the tone for what's to follow. So, so Jesus ends the gospel of Luke ascending into heaven and and that closes the book on Luke, if you will, and Acts opens with the same account. So, so Jesus is here giving instruction through the power of the same Spirit that gave him the ability, the anointing, and the breath of God to preach in the Gospel of Luke. So when, 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 when the writer opens and we hear of Jesus giving instruction to his disciples, he is doing the same thing, opening acts, that he did throughout the Gospel of Luke. And the Bible says... He gives his disciples instructions. Like any good teacher, uh, when Jesus teaches a class, he leaves time for Q&A. You've been in classes and you've raised your hand. Perhaps your teacher has made no sense and you want to clarify because you don't understand what's going on. Maybe you understand and you just want to show the teacher up because you're so smart. But whatever the case may be, uh, Jesus here, like every good teacher, leaves time for questions. And so uh, one of them, one of the disciples, we don't know if it's the 12 or we don't know if it's somebody else because there are a lot of people here Raise your hand. Jesus, I have a question. What is your question? This person asks Jesus after he gives them instruction, is this the time when you're going to restore the kingdom of God to Israel? And I believe in that question. 
are reasons why we don't gather for corporate prayer. I believe hidden underneath that simple question are reasons why we have such a difficulty getting together before service just to pray before the worship team gathers. I think in that question are reasons why we don't come together on Wednesday night for corporate prayer. And and here's the question, listen, is this the time when you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Jesus' response is twofold. He says, first, there are some things you cannot know. Then he says, you can't know what you want to know, but you can receive power. First part, there are some things you can't know. They say, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He says, it is not yours to understand what is only God's to understand. And I think part of the reason why we don't gather for corporate prayer, part of the reason why we don't join hands with our brother or sister in our small groups and pray and seek the face of God is because we would rather know some things. We we don't want to talk to God if God is not going to answer our questions. Somebody say amen. I know I'm right. I mean, if, 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 if God were not going to answer your questions, why does God want to talk to you? If you're not going to answer me, why would I call you? Jesus says, there are some things you can't know. There are some answers you will not get. And he, he answers on the other side because that's pretty negative. I mean, that's not very encouraging. You want me to come uh, and pray? You want me to go to Jerusalem and pray? And then you say, I can't know what I'm asking you. That's not pretty exciting, Jesus. Then he says, but you will receive power. After the Holy Spirit comes upon you, to be my witnesses. Part of the reason why we don't pray, and I'm not talking about individual prayer because we do that well. I mean, we do it before we eat, you know, we do it before we go to sleep. We have our own individual times of communion with God. Many of you pray. Many of you have no problem with individual prayer, but as it relates to congregational or corporate prayer, a part of the reason why we don't do it is because we won't have all the answers when it's over. The other part of the reason why I think we have a difficulty praying together as a congregation is is inside the question, uh, and that is, uh, is this the time you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus answers the question, you will receive power to be my witnesses. He says yes to Israel, but, but, but the kingdom is broader than Israel. And my suspicion is, Individual prayer allows us to keep intact our views of the kingdom of God. Individual prayer allows you to keep in your forefront, keep in your mind and in your vision what it is you want God to do for you, what it is you want God to bring to pass for your family, what it is you want God to do at your job. But corporate prayer pushes the envelope and it makes you think about the kingdom with respect to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and the ends of the earth. 
It's easy for me, Jesus, to pray uh, when you say, teach us to pray, our Father. It's easy for me to go to my corner, to my closet, and do that. But when you start saying that the kingdom is bigger than how I understand it, when you start saying the kingdom includes ethnic groups, people groups outside of Jerusalem, then it becomes harder for me to come to pray. Jesus says, that this questioner's view of the kingdom is a bit too small. And and some of us need to sit with that today. How do you see the kingdom? If you see it as large as God does, have you been obedient to the command to go to Jerusalem? The disciples in the text after Jesus blows their conceptions out of the water, they watch him go up. And there they are in Acts chapter 1. Their, their eyes are stretching into the clouds. They're looking up into the sky, and, 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 and they're stuck. They're stuck in worship. They're they're frozen in the awesome presence of God. Isn't that good? I mean, that can't be bad. How can you make being in worship a bad thing? How can you call worship a bad thing? And, and, And I've got to thank Pastor Peter for letting me preach about worship on the one hand a few weeks ago and to come back and preach about prayer because worship is beautiful. Praise is what we should do. Praise is what I do. That's what the song says. How can it be bad to look and to stare at the beautiful splendor of God? It can't be bad. And then there's that other question. Those two men in white robes come up and say, "Uh, why are you stuck with your view toward the sky? Why are you so comfortable in your position of worship? Um, People of new community, I mean men of Galilee, as the text says, why are you looking up this way? The same Jesus who went up is returning. And you know what that statement is. You know what the question, why are you standing here, is. It is a reminder that there is a command that was spoken before Jesus left that we have to obey. And the command was not to stay in worship. The command was not to get stuck looking at the splendor of God. The command was to go to Jerusalem and wait. The command was... To go and the question, why are you standing here, was a reminder that, that the people of God received instruction from Jesus. And, and, and when the disciples went, when they went to Jerusalem, they did something that most of us do here and there. They simply obeyed God. This is the same church. The previous two acts, Jesus sent out as lambs 
in the midst of wolves. This is the same church leadership that, that Jesus said, if you drink any deadly thing, don't worry about poison because it won't have any effect on you. This is the same church that Jesus said, uh, 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 go and preach and cast out demons. This is that church, but Jesus is not sending them out to evangelize, although that is indispensable to the ministry of the church. Jesus is not saying, go and drink up uh, scorpions and, and drink uh, drinks with, with snakes and it won't bother you. He's not saying any of that. He's saying something a whole lot simpler. He's saying, go to Jerusalem and wait on a promise. And you know just like I do that sometimes the simplest things that God asks us are the hardest things to do. Sometimes the the simplest things that Jesus says do are the most challenging things to do. And and, and I'm pulling the title of this message from Stephen Sharkey because at our last prayer gathering, he said to us, this is the hardest thing we can do as a church. We can teach you how to appreciate lyrics that are in Chinese or French or Russian or, 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 or Korean or whatever. We can teach you that. We can watch you uncomfortable and see the progression because you become comfortable in diverse worship. We can teach you that. We can teach you what it means to embrace righteousness and justice. We can also teach you prayer, but it's harder to do this because when Jesus says pray, what he says is gather together and wait. Everybody say wait. Waiting is unique in this New Testament passage. This is the first time this word is mentioned in the New Testament, this word wait, right here in this passage. Jesus says to them, go and wait. And it's the idea of steady persistence, of unfailing stick if that is a word in prayer. It means to stay. And the NIV says that they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Jesus knew that his church would be a waiting church. The truth is that waiting takes patience, takes Hope to wait. And, 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 and when we gather together to pray as the people of God, we're gathering together to, to be the people of God, asking the same question that the people in Acts chapter 1 asked, and that is this question. Jesus, is this the time when you're going to restore the kingdom? Part of the reason why it's so hard to pray together is because we're not really sure if this is the prayer when you're going to answer what I've been asking you to do. Is this corporate prayer gathering this month going to be the one where you're going to answer the prayer that has been on my heart for months? Jesus, is this the time when the waiting will be 
over. There is a tension that comes when we do life together as brothers and sisters in Christ because when I see you, when I, when, I am, when I am in prayer with you, I am reminded of the goodness of God. And, 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 and there are some of us who have been praying for things that God has not brought to pass. And so when we come together with others of us whom God has blessed, God has healed, God has delivered, it is a frustrating reminder that God has not answered some of our prayers. And here is the question for you. You who are frustrated, us who are dealing with irritation at the slow movement of this powerful spirit of God, the question is, can you leave the frustration and come together to find faith in the power of God? Because it's, it's, it's going to be frustrating to wait, but, but if you obey the command of God, faith comes with power to be God's witnesses. So Jesus here tells them to go, and they go, they gather together, and they pray. Now, what does it mean to pray? Jermaine was talking about how we, at our prayer team on Monday nights, uh, gather for intercessory prayer, and that's one type of prayer. Prayer is simply communion with God. Say that. Say communion with God. Communion with God. Say it again. Communion with God. It is communication with God. And we were meeting together yesterday at the prayer team retreat and we talked about communion with God. And, and, and I want you to see the appreciation between a command that Jesus gives and communion with God. And that is, if you do not obey the command of God, you are in jeopardy of communing, of not communing with God. If you cannot obey His command... How can you commune with him? The command is not complicated. It is simple. It is go, wait for the promise of the Spirit. And the disciples here are praying. They are gathered together. And, and I want you uh, to see a few scriptures in, in scripture, a few scripture in scriptures, a few uh, scriptures in the Bible that talk about what it means for us to gather together in prayer. And, and look at the screen here. Second Chronicles 7 and 14 says, When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or command locusts to devour the land, or send a plague among uh, my people. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Isaiah 56 verses 6 and 7 says, and foreigners who bind themselves to the Lord to serve him, to love the name of the Lord, and to worship him. All who keep the Sabbath without desecrating it, who hold fast to my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. Hebrews 10 and 25 says, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. These passages point to the reality of the gathered people of God. I don't want you to get rid of your individual prayer. I want you to pray on your own, but hear me and hear me well. There is a difference between you praying on your own and us gathering as the people of God. 
when I was at uh, the last church that I served, I would sometimes go to meetings and, uh, and, and represent our senior pastor uh, down at the tax uh, building or the county building or to some judge or to some, some leader or what. I would go and, and represent uh, the, the senior pastor or the church. I was not the senior pastor. I was a representative. And, and when you pray on your own, and, and when our prayer team prays, we are praying as individuals representing or interceding for the people of God. Representation is different from identification. Certainly, we are the people of God individually. We gather together, then we scatter. We are the people. But the word corporate has to do with a body, and you cannot be a body on your own. So, so when we gather together, we are identified, like these three passages, as the people of God. We gather as an obedient people of God, responding to God. We, we gather and we call ourselves God's people. And when I was preparing for this message, I wanted to come up with a passage or with a verse that, that, that came in Scripture that suggested these are the kinds of prayers that you can pray as an individual. And these are the kinds of prayers that you have to pray as a gathered people so that if you pray these kinds of prayers on your own, God won't hear them. And I didn't find that. I wanted to say, if you pray this list in the corporate prayer, this is how you know God will answer it. And I didn't find that. So I can't come here to tell you that if you pray A, B, C, D on your own, God will answer. But if you pray E, F, G on your own, you can't do it. You got to come to church. I didn't find it. So your motivation for doing this can't be well, I've got to do this so I can get these prayers answered. There is a sneaky passage, though, in Acts chapter 12. And I'm, I'm, I want to be responsible. I'm not going to say what the text doesn't say. But, 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 but I want you to see in Acts 12, Peter, who, who by most accounts is the chief apostle in the church. Uh, not this Peter, uh, although he is Apostle Hong uh, from this day forward. no. No, Peter, Peter, the, the apostle in Acts, he's in jail. Here he is, the primary leader in God's church, and he doesn't have, uh, 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 he doesn't have the wherewithal to free himself in prison. It is not until the people gather together and pray in Rhonda's house or Rhoda's house that Peter is freed from prison. It could be that some of our blessings are tied up in corporate prayer. It could be. But I don't want you to be motivated by your own selfish needs. I want you to see a picture of what it means to be an obedient people of God. Jesus says to them, go gather, they go, they gather, and they're there for corporate prayer. Let me close by giving you characteristics of corporate prayer. Just a few characteristics. The first characteristic is that everyone is there. Woo, that took a whole lot of study, didn't it? 
The Bible says that Mary is there, the women are there, the, the, the disciples are named, they're all there. There are about 120 people who are gathered for prayer. This is not a time when they're choosing who was the most qualified to do what. They're not trying to see whose sin was the most, sin, uh, most severe. They are gathering together and everybody was present. So here is the question. Here is the take home. Here is the practical application. When we get together Wednesday night, will you be there? When your small groups, 8 to 12 of them, meet across the city for prayer this week or the next week, will you be there? Will you be here next week, a few minutes before church starts, in order not just to hear the tape, but just to pray? Will you be here? Second characteristic of this type of prayer is that it is the first of many ministries of God's church. Before these apostles preached, before they witnessed, before they evangelized, they got together to pray. I said this to you earlier, uh, uh, when new community gathered and when, when God gave Pastor Peter the vision of this church plant and when he went to the covenant and to the denomination and they affirmed or, 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 or said to him, applauded him for this vision and hearing from God and said, these are our resources. And he gathered this, this core group of people before a worship service started, before a preview service, before any of the small groups gathered. They prayed. Yeah, he taught the Bible. He went five days a week and taught small groups on the book of Ephesians. Yes, but before that, there was much prayer. We have a warming center. We're doing wonderful things with Michael Legal Aid. Yes. But under that, next to that, above that, around that, there is It's the first ministry that Jesus commands the church to do. And that is go and wait on the promise. And they gather. The third thing is that this particular activity is enabled by the Holy Spirit's power. You can't do this on your own. Hear me. You can't do this on your own. It's too vulnerable for you to share with the body of Christ what it is you need God to do. It's too vulnerable for you to tap into the kingdom of God in this way. You can't do that on your own. You have to have the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't want you to think you'll be able to do this because you think it's a good idea. I don't want you to think you'll be able to do any ministry at this church because you think it is a good idea. You need, I need the power of the Holy Spirit, the power that says when you get it, you will be my witnesses to Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Number five, this character, this this, uh, corporate prayer is done by faith or done in faith that the kingdom is coming. 
Pastor Peter said to you, vocalized our mission statement, that we seek to be a city within a city, an alternate Chicago. We seek to be a city within a city, an alternate Chicago. That statement comes out of our desire to tap into the kingdom of God, the sphere of God, the rule of God, the reign of God. We are living as a church in faith that that rule, that reign, that kingdom of God is coming to pass and, 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 and we need prayer to remind us that what we see now is is only an inkling it's only a small box of the kingdom of God it may be Israel but it's probably not Samaria Judea and the uttermost parts and so when you come from your neighborhood and when I come from my neighborhood we come from our backgrounds and we talk to God we tap into the kingdom of God in ways that we'll never do individually At the last prayer gathering, we were praying, and this was right of the week of uh, uh, several, several killings in Logan Square. Uh, arrests were made. We were going back and forth getting emails from some of our members who lived right along the block over near uh, Funson Elementary School. And we were praying uh, in the prayer gathering. One of the things we prayed for, what was happening in Logan Square. And, uh, and I, I heard... Uh, Lyra Bucco pray a prayer. And, and part of the reason why we need to come to prayer service to pray in the sanctuary, to pray together as the body, wherever it is and however it is we do it, we need these kinds of prayers. You know what Lyra pray? She pray? It wouldn't have occurred to many of us to pray this prayer. She prayed for the offenders, for uh, the criminals, if you will, who were involved in the shooting. And, 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 and I, don't, I don't pull her name out and bring that up to, to give her special praise as much as I say that there are certain prayers that you will find yourself praying and there are others that you will not. And the ones that you will not pray, you need somebody else to get together and to cry out, cry out to God because that is a prayer that advances the kingdom of God that includes Judea, Samaria, other ends of the earth. Two more. Corporate prayer. Draw strength and hope from the vision of Jesus' ascension. They stared at the place where Jesus was, the text says. They, they were looking up into the sky, and it is that vision of Jesus that empowered them to confront the harsh realities of their lives in the first century. So, so the same goes for us. You look at your job, and you see unsaved loved ones and, and, and unsaved co-workers, and you say, God, is this the time when this person will give their life to you? And all you see... Is them drinking more, smoking more, cussing more, doing everything other than kingdom stuff. They don't look like they love Jesus. You get discouraged, and that is when you look back at the vision, the beautiful vision of Jesus, and the reminder of the two that said, the same way you see Jesus going up, he'll come back. So that, so that the ascension is a reminder of what is to come. And when you get discouraged because you're waiting on a promise, you can remember that Jesus was beautiful, that Jesus is returning. And it is in the meantime that I pray, that I gather, that I advance the cause of Jesus Christ. Finally, the church prays 
constantly. They pray regularly. They pray frequently. They do it over and over. I don't know, I don't know that it means that they prayed every hour on the hour. Like, you know, our news, radio news, you can get on the nines or on the eights traffic and weather. I don't know that they prayed like that. They probably didn't. But they prayed regularly. They prayed regularly. Can we do it? As a church, can we do it? How many of you have been to our church office? Just raise your hand. You've ever been to the church office? Okay, put your hands down. In this big bank building, right, you walk up all these stairs, come to the first suite, that's our office. What would happen? Flacco, you don't have to answer. Sometimes I say these things and people answer, so. Flacco, what would happen if at the church office, as many people as are here, gathered for prayer? What would happen if all down the stairs going on to Elson, California, and Belmont, before this year was over, we gathered for prayer and we couldn't fit the 50 chairs in the one room. And we were in the larger space, or we were in Pastor Peter's office, or, or we were in the conference room, my office, Angela's office, or we were spilling into the other suites. What would happen if we were crying out to God on California and Belmont, saying, God, bring your kingdom come? Not 20 people, not 17 people like last month, but, but all of you, all of us who gather and stare and worship and sing and hear the word. What happens if we just, just obey that command? What happens if before we start church next week, 15 people, 30 people, 60 people were scattered throughout this sanctuary saying, God, somebody's going to be here who doesn't know you. Somebody's going to be here who's on their last leg. Would you help them? What would, what would happen? Bow your heads. There are different types of prayers. There are many types of communion. There are many ways to commune with God. Corporate prayer is one of those ways that we commune with God. Sitting next to each other, your brother, your sister, I want you to sit in silence just for a moment. And let the Spirit of God speak to you about your next step. About your way of applying this message so that you don't just hear in one ear and it go out the other. God, what is my response? Make that your prayer in this silence. God, what is my response? Dear God, I pray for my sister, my brother, who is having a tough time waiting on a promise 
who is discouraged, who is frustrated. I pray for her faith, for his faith to obey your voice. Spirit of God, lead, direct us so that we will be the people of God, so that we will be the people of God who embraces justice, yes, who pursues lost souls with the love of Christ, yes, who worships you passionately, who loves you, yes, who sees you, yes. But God, make us a praying people who values prayer, who knows Praying, communing, communicating with you is as necessary as breathing. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. So stand together. Incorporated together. A lot of what Michael has shared. Incorporated together. You can pray quietly, you can pray silently. I just want you to pray for this church that we would be all that God has called us to be. That's it. That's a simple prayer. Okay? Take a moment right now. This time here and now, we join all of our voices, all of our hearts to pray, God, corporately as your people that we would be everything, God, that you have called us to be. Everything that you have called us to be. And God, as we leave, the second part of that prayer is, God, What is it that you want me to do to be a part of that? God, how can I be the answer to the very prayer that I prayed? What is my role to play in helping this church be everything that God has called it to be? In faith, we pray that you would speak and that we would hear. And now, by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, as people who have been saved by the very body and blood of Christ shed for us, and the mercy of God available to anyone who cries out to him, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, as we're reminded today, that is available to us to do the work that which we cannot do, but above all, the unconditional enduring love of the Heavenly Father, that not only saves us, but grows us each and every day of our lives. Be the people of God that God has created you to be. Be bold in your witness and radically loving in your, in your witness. And be radically generous with the entirety of your lives so that we would be that city within this city. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all of God's people said, Amen. Have a great week, you guys. We'll see you back here next Sunday as we continue our journey.